Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consolidary Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this week's episode, I'm going to give some general advice for those perhaps looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs, some guys to consider investing in now that have maybe underperformed or have a difficult schedule over the next few weeks, but have favorable outlooks for the playoffs, which is typically week 15 through week 17 in most leagues, including some that play in week 18. So I'll go through some guys I'd want to invest in at each position which will hopefully be helpful for those maybe in a good spot that looks like they should make the fantasy playoffs. Starting at quarterback, I like how things set up for Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Smith has not performed up to the 2022 levels thus far this season, and Seattle will have a few tough matchups through Week 14 with a couple of games against the Niners, sandwiching a game against the Cowboys. But I think this week against the Commanders will be a blow-up spot for Seattle. And then looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs, they'll take on the Eagles, who have continued to struggle versus the pass. The Titans, who might not have the options to defend the Seattle weapons on the outside. And then Pittsburgh in Week 17. So Geno might be available in quite a few leagues based on his play so far this season. But things set up for him to finish strong. And he should be invested in as a QB2 option that could pay dividends in the fantasy playoffs. For the most part, I would say you want to have an elite quarterback. Obviously, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. And I don't think he'll come close to reaching that tier. But Kyler Murray has pretty much put up 20 fantasy points per game whenever he's on the field. So with him set to make his debut this week and still being available in over 60% of ESPN leagues, Murray is someone to pick up and hope he at least holds QB1 value. The wild card is just how much he'll run coming off the torn ACL, but I think Murray wants to prove himself as Arizona's franchise quarterback, so I don't see him simply sitting in the pocket, and he should be energized from a new offense that has looked good at times when Josh Dobbs was under center. So maybe you don't want to risk starting Murray this week. We have him as a top 10 option because Atlanta's a pretty good matchup, but it's still wise to pick him up now. He probably should have been picked up a couple of weeks ago at least. And if nothing else, you'll block another team from getting Murray, who again has 20 points per game upside if he looks like himself coming off the knee injury. Overall, quarterback is too shallow to recommend too many options. One guy I would say to just be aware of the upcoming schedule in a negative way would be Sam Howell. The commanders have thrown a ton under Eric Bieniemy, and that should continue to maybe make up for difficult matchups. But after taking on the Seahawks this week and the Giants in Week 11, Washington will face the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, the Dolphins, who now have Jalen Ramsey back in Week 13, then they have a bye. Then Week 15 is a good matchup at the Rams, but then 16 and 17, Jets and 49ers. So Hal might even be a guy you could sell high on, but we'll see how he plays with these tough matchups coming up. And again, how much the enemy wants to throw could keep him afloat. At running back, I'll hit on a few guys. First, with one matchup in particular to keep an eye on, is Ramondre Stevenson in Week 16, which is either the Fantasy Semifinal or Fantasy Championship first week, depending on your league format, taking on the Broncos in a Christmas Eve primetime matchup. Denver is allowing by far the most yards per game on the ground, and at a 5.4 yards per carry clip, Stevenson showed his ability last week on a long touchdown run, and the tackle breaking has seemed to increase 
over the past three games. So we don't know what New England will look like in terms of record by the end of the season. But I don't see Bill Belichick easing up on Stevenson's workload as he looks to win as many games as possible. And ideally, the Patriots will continue using Stevenson as a pass catcher on those angle-type routes. So he's someone, if not viewed as a borderline RB1, RB2 in your league, that is worth buying low on, especially if it looks like you're in good shape for a playoff spot with New England having a buy next week. And perhaps the biggest buy low option, although I would think those with him rostered aren't going to be willing to sell him, but Devon Achan, not based on any matchup, but he was essentially a high-end RB1 when finally unleashed with fantasy point totals of 49.3, 25.5, and 21.0 in his last three games. When first put on IR, it was reported that Achan would be 100% when eligible to return. So I'd expect Mike McDaniel to immediately make him a big part of the offense coming off the bye. And like Stevenson, he can be a borderline RB1, RB2 option worth buying low on if not viewed that way in your league. Another player returning from injury that I would check into if available on the trade market is David Montgomery. This week he gets a great matchup versus the Chargers and looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs. Like Ramondre Stevenson, he gets a matchup against the Broncos. For him, it'll be in Week 15. And Detroit has a good enough offense that both him and Shamir Gibbs can be at least RB2 plays. There's little doubt that Montgomery will reclaim the goal line work upon his return. So I'd look into acquiring him if maybe the Montgomery owner in your league is a bit worried about Gibbs stealing more work the rest of the way. And then finally, this is a shaky one, considering the state of the Atlanta offense and the lack of involvement for the playmakers, but we're always trying to invest in talent, and B. John Robinson is someone that can maybe be had cheaply based on the disappointment considering his skill set. The case to make in a trade is easy. If a fantasy owner is struggling to get in the playoffs, he gets a good matchup this week against Arizona, but then has a bye. And three tough matchups versus the Saints, Jets, although the Jets may be a little overrated in terms of run defense, but the Saints, the Jets, and the Bucks through week 14. And then after that, the schedule really softens up with games against the Panthers, Colts, and Bears. So if you're willing to be a little aggressive in seeing what it'll take to acquire Bijan, I have hope that he can provide RB1 value down the stretch, and it would make sense for Atlanta to unleash him with the NFC South hopefully still up for grabs at that point. At wide receiver, along with Geno Smith, DK Metcalf is someone worth investing in. Again, to go through that schedule, he'll take on the Eagles, who Metcalf typically kills. The Titans, who I don't think will have anyone that can stick him. And the Steelers could be tough with Joey Porter Jr. But Metcalf feels like a guy that would rise to that challenge and someone that could have a couple of blow-up performances in general late in the year. So as the wide receiver 43 so far this season, Metcalf can probably be had for a lower price than is warranted for his skill set. And we can only hope that him and Geno Smith eventually get on the same page. The easy one at wide receiver would be Justin Jefferson. With Minnesota at 5-4, and four, I'm sure they'll get Jefferson back in the lineup whenever he's healthy. And Joshua Dobbs has been very steady under center both with Arizona and last week with the Vikings. And when Jefferson is back, 
the offense will run through him as the first read, and the Jefferson owner in your league might be willing to part with him if they're trying to claw their way into the postseason. So I'd take a look at the bye weeks and see if you can make an offer for Jefferson that would help out the team sending him away. For a deeper guy to consider, Marvin Mims Jr. was talked up by Sean Payton coming out of the bye, saying he looked at his play sheet and wants to get more reps for number 17, which is Mims. The rookie showed great big playability early in the season. It was disappointing that Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton weren't traded at the deadline, but Mims can be unleashed a bit down the stretch, and he's at least worth having on the bench as a potential high upside play if you need a high-scoring week late in the year. Another speedster to consider, unlike Mims though, it would need to be a trade to get him, is Marquise Brown. He'll obviously get Kyler Murray back, and again, the matchups late in the year could benefit him, especially in weeks 16 and 17, with matchups against the Bears and Eagles. In general, I like how the offense has looked for the Cardinals under the new coaching staff, so we'll see if having Murray under center allows him to get back to putting up big numbers. And Brown is already averaging a healthy 8.6 targets per game. And the last guy to mention a wide receiver is Garrett Wilson. We don't know the status of Aaron Rodgers in terms of his recovery from a torn Achilles. He told Derwin James after the Monday night loss that he'll be back in a few weeks. That might be positive thinking or simply a few weeks, meaning more like several weeks. But even if it's Zach Wilson that remains under center for the Jets, Wilson has been fed targets in recent weeks, with at least 12 of them in four or five games. Touchdowns have been the big issue. He hasn't scored since week two, but the second-year wideout has gone for yardage totals of 90, 106, and 80 over the past three weeks. And I would have week 16 circled on the calendar for a matchup against the Commanders, and maybe that'll be a game where, if New York still has a shot at playoffs, Rodgers will return on Christmas Eve to potentially position the Jets for a playoff spot. At tight end, I'll quickly mention three guys. First would be Kyle Pitts. Similar to B. John Robinson, it just would make sense for Atlanta to finally unleash the top 10 picks they have on the roster, whether it be Taylor Heineke under center still, or going back to Desmond Ritter, who might benefit from sitting on the bench for a couple of weeks. But Pitts has at least been steadier over the past five games. And the schedule from week 15 to week 17 sets up nicely with games against the Panthers, Colts, and Bears. Between the two injured tight ends, Dallas Goddard and Darren Waller, I would rather invest in Goddard, with the Eagles obviously being in a better spot than the Giants. And there's a chance I would think that Waller doesn't even end up returning for New York in a lost season. But Goddard, if you're willing to take the hit over the next four games that he's projected to miss, He'll be back in time for the fantasy playoffs and would be a clear tight end one option in the high-powered Philly offense. But the guy I would really want to roster, and I'm assuming it's too late in pretty much every league because his value has spiked too much, but Dalton Kincaid is our top tight end play for week 10. He gets a great matchup against the Broncos, and he's probably a top three to five tight end for the rest of the season. So if for whatever reason, and again, I doubt it considering he'll be on someone's roster, but if he's not viewed as a high-end tight end one play, I would recommend going for Kincaid in a trade and having an elite option for the fantasy playoffs.
So that will conclude this episode. If you have any questions in particular about a player to invest in for the rest of the season or a start set option for this week, we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. And you can find our full rankings on wolfsports.com. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Conciliary Podcast.